It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Better Faster Podcast. We appreciate you listening in. Today, Brandon and I are talking about the sacroiliac joint or the SI joint. We talk a little bit about the myths surrounding this joint and a little bit about diagnosing and treatment. So I think you're really going to enjoy this one. If you haven't already, please go on to iTunes, leave us a review. It's how we reach more people, but it's also a great place to leave a comment or a question for a topic for a future episode. So again, we appreciate you tuning in and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Brandon, what's going on, my man? I'm doing well, enjoying this nice long week with my family. College football's back. Uh, yeah. A little disappointed in my Gamecocks losing to UNC, though. Oh, it's brutal. That was that was a very disappointing game to watch. It's frustrating, man. It seems like the the things that uh, the fan base has complained about for the last two or three years seem to still be the same, and that's. Um, you know, that's disappointing. And not to mention, I lost a little bet on this and I have a hundred burpees to do. Uh, mm. uh, yeah. You know, my, my CI currently, Dr. Zach Long is a proud alum of the university of North Carolina and bet me a hundred burpees that, uh, they were going to beat us. And I was pretty confident. I took it without even thinking about it. And I am living to regret that decision. Well, I, I at least know Zach is a good leader and a good CI, so I expect him to do every single one of those burpees <laughs> alongside you, right? That's what a good CI would do. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. If I had won, I probably would sit there and watch, <laughs> so I can't blame him if he just sits there and watches me, but um, yeah, that was, that was rough, man. Quarterback play, yeah. offensive play calling, we we're really conservative in certain situations. There's just a lot going on there. Kind of, what you think? Three and nine this year, four and eight. Oh man! If you, look at, if you look at the schedule, I hate to think that things are a given. And and I would have thought this one was we could have put in the win column. But you got to hope we can win next week with I think it's Charleston Southern. You got to hope we can maybe maybe beat a Kentucky or a Vandy this year. But we haven't. We struggled against Kentucky. We have uh, the hardest schedule I think um, this year with all three of the top three ranked teams on our schedule in um, you know Clemson, Alabama, and Georgia. So it's gonna be a rough one. It's going to be a long season. Yep, unfortunately. But. but anyway, so we should probably get into today's topic, which is SI joint dysfunction or SI joint pain, the sacroiliac joint pain or dysfunction. Uh, and this is an interesting topic, man. I feel like there are so many different opinions, um, especially you know coming out as a new grad, uh, seeing what's all out there. You get some camps that think the SI joint is literally the cause of everything, and then you get camps that think that it is not an issue ever. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely interesting. I'm excited to dive into this one. 
Yeah, there's there's definitely a, a lot of noise out there. And I think I'm going to probably sound a little condescending here, but I know our audience is a bunch of smart people and a lot of them are way smarter than me. But I kind of want to talk about this as if it's the first time you're hearing about diagnosing the SI joint. And I need to back up here and preface this with the fact that there are clinicians out there, and, and this is still taught in school, not say not only can you detect that the SI joint is out, right? And that would be what we call SI joint dysfunction. And they'll say things like, oh, your SI joint's misaligned. You know, it's got an upslip, downslip in for outflare, rotated nominate, whatever. Uh, but then as a therapist, not only can you detect it, but you can put it back in place, right? Yep. And for all intents and purposes, SI joint dysfunction probably doesn't exist. You know, maybe unless in extreme cases like a trauma and some would argue pregnancy and postpartum patients, but even that's debatable. And, you know, the, the reason being why that's such a hard concept to swallow is, you know, we, as physical therapists, as human beings, we, we can't reliably use palpation to detect any sort of motion in the SI joint. And, and when I say can't reliably, that's actually an understatement because we can't feel it at all, right? And that, this part's really important because SI joint, we know it's only got the ability to move somewhere around two to three millimeters, right? And it can rotate maybe three degrees at the most. And if we could palpate it, we'd have to be able to detect that through about three inches of soft tissue. And to paint that picture for you, someone on the internet made this meme a while back. I can't remember who it was. It's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but also holds true when you think about it. And what it says is that assessing movement of the SI joint is like trying to read Varel through a stake. I don't know what's about you, but I think that's pretty eloquently stated. No, and you I might want to comment on that a little bit too, because I, I know you, I, it's been like 10 years since I've dissected a cadaver. And, you know, I, I, I think you probably can remember how deep that is and just maybe how robust those structures are as well. Yeah, there's a lot going on in that area, man. And as you mentioned, the actual amount of movement that occurs there, a couple degrees, a couple millimeters, it's such a small amount of movement. And it's been pretty, shown pretty, you know, pretty clearly that the reliability of us to assess that movement is poor. So, you know, even if we, we felt like we could accurately palpate it, accurately palpate it, which is, you know, very difficult. As you mentioned, there's a lot of tissue there. Hard to say too. You know, yeah, at least, you know, a couple inches, five centimeters plus in that area, depending on the size of the individual. Um, even if we could accurately palpate it, palpate it, the, um, the reliability between each of us that are rating it is so different. There's, you know, upwards of a hundred different combinations of different things that we could say about, you know, whether it's, you know, nutated, counter-nutated, rotated, in-flare, out-flare, you know, whatever it is, up-slip, down-slip. There's so many different combinations of how it could be. And just if I felt one thing, you felt another thing. And either way, the fact we can't figure it out between ourselves. And then also it's very poorly associated with the person who, you know, who's actually experiencing pain in that area. Or like if we use things like nerve blocks or things to actually determine, is that the symptom generator? We're so poor at, at figuring that out anyway. It, it it's, it's interesting that some of this is still being taught and we still learn those things. We learn, you know, tests for this stuff and you're know, still, you know, taught that it could be an issue, but I, I really have to give our professors credit because they like to, you know, be as up to date with the literature as possible and say, Hey, you need to know these things because, you know, we are studying for the board exam. But at the same time, it's been shown pretty clearly that um, this is not as big of an issue as maybe we once thought it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you, you talked, you touched on this test too. And uh, I want to talk about it a little bit because I was recently on a research committee for the ATC department. But, you know, like you said, the problem with using those BS tests, like the I think Gillette's test or Gillette, spelled G-I-L-L-E-T, uh, or the Stork test, it, it, is that reliability is so poor that you could literally have 10 therapists put the same exact patient through these tests. 
and you would literally get 10 different combinations of all those different things you mentioned, like the upslope, downslope, and stuff like that. And I'll also offer you this. If you actually have a patient and you have them stand on one leg and you're saying things like, oh, there's all this motion occurring that's supposed to be there, you're going to make them feel fragile because they're going to put two and two together and assume that, wow, if I can't even lift my leg up without my SI joint going out, I'm supposed to run or jump or even walk down the stairs, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think the main reason why you see this, you already hit the nail on the head, is because it's still being taught in school. Right. And Josh, you know, you, you, you just talked about it. You're going to have to learn this for your licensure exam. You're going to have to unlearn it and then relearn the right stuff. And um, back to that research committee I was recently on um, with the athletic training department at USC. And I'm not trying to pick on you guys, but the study was based off of diagnosing SI joint dysfunction via the, that Gillette's test, right? And I tried so hard to talk them out of it. Consider using the Lazlet cluster that we're going to talk about in a minute. I sent them some articles, tried to plead my case, but they moved on with anyway. And in my opinion, all the data they collected was trash because the, the foundation so it was weak. Um, but I think that's just resistance to change. I mean, I know there's also financial incentives. There's a ton of Con Edda companies out there that they have the claim to have the answer. Oh, we got the secrets. The, the research is wrong. You know, trust us. We got the special set of skills we need to teach you. But it's all bogus. You know, this, this stuff doesn't force you on ramping our profession. And I guess it's because it sells. Yeah, man. I, I, it's one of those things, too. If we talk about um, one of the premier researchers uh, in this area, Mark Laslett, who we're going to get into, you know, his most recent um, publication, a clinical commentary in which he talks about, um, you know, his background researching this area, which is very extensive. Um, that's kind of what prompted this topic for us as a recent paper. And he talks about this, you know, the SI joint actually only being a true symptom generator and people who present with back or back related leg pain in in just over one out of every 10. He says 13% in his research. And, you know, I know some clinicians who I've talked to and I've been to other con ed courses who are talking about this stuff who will tell you it's even, you know, in their career, it's even less than that. So uh, it's not something that is a, a, you know, should be very high up on your, your uh, differential diagnosis list initially, unless you go through this process and roll out a bunch of other things leading to kind of a diagnosis of exclusion. And that's when you go to those specific types of tests, as you mentioned, in, you know, Laslett's cluster. And that's, uh, you know, he is you know, famous for initially having, you know, five or six, I guess, if you count Gainsland on both legs, um, but, you know, narrowing it down in this clinical commentary down to four. And he gives a nice clin- kind of flow chart with this article um, about how to take, you know, somebody that comes into you with back or back related leg pain and how to kind of rule out all these other things and then get to where, yes, it might be uh, SI joint pain. Um, So I think a a good place for us to start would be, you know, kind of diving into, um, you know, diving into that flow chart, diving diving into that process. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I definitely want to just back up and touch on one thing too about kind of what the gold standard is for diagnosing SI joint. But um, <clears throat> yeah, we talked about noise in the beginning and Mark Laslett is definitely a guy that separates the truth from the noise. I mean, he's, he, he's pretty much the authority on this topic. And, you know, I got to give a shout out to my CI who put this on my radar back when I was in school with that 2008 article that came out. <clears throat> Otherwise I probably would have been doing the stork test for a few years and waste people's time when I was right out of school, but gold standard for diagnosing SI joint pain. And, and now again, pain is different than dysfunction. We've already talked about that. Um, and, and Laszlo even says in the article, don't waste your time talking about dysfunction. And that gold standard is a fluoroscopy guided intraarticular injection of SI joint. So injections are often also diagnostic. And in this case, when a person presents with true SI joint pain, the injection blocks it out completely, just completely gets rid of it. Now that raises the question of how do we determine that a person has SI joint pain in the process? And 
that typical presentation is that a person's going to have pain on one side and it can be in their back. It can be in their buttock region. It can be down the leg, right? A side joint can refer that way. But the epicenter of that pain has to be in what is called the Fortin area. That's spelled F-O-R-T-I-N. And that has to be some local tenderness. And it's a three by 10 centimeter area that's just lateral to the PSIS. And you know, that could also be the only location they're paying, by the way, they don't have to have in the back or down the leg, but if their pain is elsewhere, so if they're having things like pain going down their leg or, you know, that, that goes away when they do certain movements or mechanical low back pain that appears to be the culprit, then it's probably something else, right? You mentioned it's only about one out of 10 people that actually have SI joint pain, probably less in back. Um, so keep, keep that in mind as well too, um, going down your list of different di- differential diagnosis. Sorry, words are hard tonight. Um, but yeah, we mentioned earlier, if we know we're not going to waste our time with positional fault tests and dysfunction tests, where do we go from here? And that's going to be that Laslet test battery. So I, I did want to point out that 2008 article, you already talked about how there used to be six tests. So I did count the game lessons too. Um, but that article is free. The full text is. So I want to link that in the show notes. And the reason why is because it, it's got pictures in it and it's got diagrams of how to do the, the special test that we'll talk about. And the new article that just came out, I don't, I don't think the text is free. So I definitely, I don't want to link that um, in the notes, but just keep that in mind for the, uh, for the listeners. Um, but yeah, that, that newest paper I believe came out in May and um, you know, essentially the, the tests are now limited to the SI joint gapping test, SI joint distraction, the thigh thrust and the sacral thrust. And if your patient has a minimum of just two of those tests positive, then we can surmise that it might be true SI joint pain. It doesn't guarantee it, but it could be, right? And the likelihood of that, the two positive tests is going to be about 50%. But we know that with any test cluster, the more positive tests, the better. So three is going to put you about 77%. And um, there, there are a few caveats to this, and it's talked about in the paper. Like he encourages doing a full McKinsey exam, like that's essentially correcting the shift, right? And then doing repeated motions to see if you can get centralization. It also mentions the fact that, you know, right off the bat, about one out of two patients who are pregnant or postpartum that have pelvic girdle related pain, it probably is coming from the SI joint pain. Uh, sorry, coming from the SI joint. So um, yeah, I know I just threw a lot out you, at you there, but just to quickly recap all that information, a few sentences. Step one, make sure they have pain in the Fortin area. Step two, run through your pain provocation test. And step three, start thinking it's SI joint pain if at least two of those tests are positive. And again, more is better. Yeah, no, I think that that's a perfect uh, summary of what he talks in there. He's got um, a nice uh, flow chart in there in that article, if you can find it. Again, the actual title for the article is Clinical Diagnosis of Sacroiliac Joint Pain. Again, pain, not dysfunction. Um, and so I, you know, I definitely encourage people to dig into that uh, for themselves. And for me, you know, say we come down, we get to where, okay, we are with a high likelihood, a high probability, we think that the the pain generator is the SI joint. We've gone through this whole process. We've rolled out a bunch of other stuff. They're positive on three or four of those tests. We're thinking SI joint. Um, the biggest thing there uh, is looking at, okay, well, what do we do next? Um, and for me, what I really like to do um, is kind of, all right, what kind of activities are they uh, you know, are they having issues with what kind of, you know, you know, functional measures or different, um, what, uh, people call asterisk signs or whatever you want to call it that I can use to assess, are they, are they making any progress here? And, um, you know, oftentimes there may be as a manual therapy component there, we might, um, you know, manipulate it or, or something along those lines to help get them feeling a little better. But then ultimately I'm trying to get them 
get them strong and start getting them back towards, uh, you know, being able to perform those specific activities a little bit better and with, and with less pain. You know, that's, that's my goal ultimately is, is improving the function there. So um, do you want to talk about kind of how you like to approach it? If somebody comes to the clinic, you've kind of ruled all the way through this process and you're like, okay, this person probably does have some type of, uh, you know, pain that is related to the SI joint. You know, what are you going to do next? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's essentially just like any other diagnosis in a lot of ways. So there's not one single cookbook recipe on how to treat the SI joint. I just want to put it out there. And it goes back to the saying that I always use, it probably should be my next tattoo, principles are few, methods are many. And I do want to preface this with saying that I maybe get three true cases of SI joint pain a year. We get a lot of low back pain that comes through the door. But typically, I like to start manual therapy. That's what I like to do with a lot of people that I see. And there are a couple of really good spinal, manipul- spinal manipulation techniques. Shout out to Justin Dunaway of Ice Physio uh, for teaching me these. And, and look, we, we know that manipulation is nonspecific. We, we don't know what's popping. It could be several other structures, yada, yada. But when you do get a pop, when you're directing that manipulation to the SI joint, it feels different and, and it sounds different. And I can't explain it. You just know it when you do it. And if the patient says, yep, that was a spot, you win, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I also like to pop some needles right into those dorsal ligaments, twist them around, hook them up to stem. And, uh, you know, if it, if it is truly SI joint pain, we talked about, we talked about this in our dry needle episode a while back. It's probably nociceptive pain and, and nociceptors, those are the danger receptors. That, that was supposed to be my, uh, my Laura Mosley impression, kind of sound a little British there. But, but uh, anyways, you know, why not fight pain with a little bit of pain in this case to sort of hit the reset button on the nervous system. And I, I do get good results with those. Um, and from there, you know, we've, we've taken the history, right? So there's usually something that this pain is keeping the patient from doing, some type of activity that provokes it or, or something they're afraid of doing. And maybe there is a mechanical component of this pain that fell outside of that test cluster, right? So when I do X, I feel pain in my SI joint. So from there, it's, it's just graded exposure and getting them strong and we're training. And uh, I, I did want to make a note that I do also like the LDOA. It's that spelled E-L-D-O-A, mobility work for the SI joint. You can look up that on, on YouTube. Um, but again, besides manual therapy, I'm, I'm not really doing anything special or a whole lot different than how I treat other things that come through the door. Yeah, man. I think uh, I love you know your process there. I think we're on the same page there. Um, and I have to give a shout out to you and through Justin Dunaway for teaching me those same manipulations because we don't get uh, you know we haven't gotten a ton of of specific treatment for that area or manual for that area um, thus far. So so that's definitely helped um, being able to you know as you said direct a, maybe a manipulation towards that area even though we know we're not being very specific there. Um, again and it doesn't necessarily have to be the joint you know if they're having pain in that area there's a lot of other things that are going on there a lot of ligaments a lot you know muscle attachments there's a bunch of stuff going on in that area so uh, if we can do something to calm it down and then build it up that's kind of a rule of thumb I love uh, you know I like to use is first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna calm it down next thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna try to build it up so um, that means I'm gonna try to figure out a squat variation they can tolerate a, a hinging variation they can tolerate um, is there some type of unilateral variation I can do maybe maybe not I got to figure out what it is carries if I can again you know that's essentially again another way to load up a single leg um, is through some type of carry I mean you know we're going through our basic movement patterns and I'm figuring out what you know what I can load up and uh, again trying to get them strong Um, ultimately you know testing or retesting specific activities if I can to see if I'm making progress towards you know helping them you know get back to doing whatever that activity was that they were having an issue with in the first place so um, yeah if we can use a little manual calm it down a little bit and then get them strong and build it back up I think we've got a good recipe there Training equals rehab. 
Hey, yep. those, those ligaments are pretty thick, right? Yeah, pretty, pretty very hard, thick. Yeah, pretty hard to dissect, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, it takes it takes a you know a scalpel and and a lot of work to get through them in the cadaver. So for anybody listening out there, if if they're thinking that their SI joint might actually be going out, it, it, it it's pretty hard unless there's some kind of like catastrophic event, like a like a hard fall or maybe a car accident or something like that. Am I am I right in that thinking? Yeah, and that's again just it reiterates how important a good subjective exam is. Um, trying to figure out is there you know some type of trauma, motor vehicle accident, stepping off a curb hard, or something that that you know some kind of traumatic event that that may let that might move it up on your hypothesis a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it's it's difficult to to uh, you know create a lot of movement there. It takes a lot of force. Yeah, the reason why I say that is because I, I I have more than three people come through my door a year that are convinced that their SI joint's going out, and usually that's from some other type of practitioner. Um, sometimes it's chiropractors, sometimes it's other physical therapists that are telling them that, and so it's a lot of again unlearning and relearning type of thing going on in the clinic. Yeah, Patient education. that's a huge thing, man. Like, and that's why I, you know I I like to focus on the function side of things rather than the structure side of things. Um, you know, I don't want to you know convince them that they're fragile, that they're broken, that they're there's you know all this movement going on in there, and that you know before you know it, they're going to be like walking back in your clinic. Oh, I can feel it rotated today, and it's like yeah, yeah. And if that's the mindset yeah. that they're going, yeah, that's that's difficult. You know, I need to. I need, I want to make sure that I'm I'm empowering them and showing them that hey we can we can do things to get you strong and back to what you what you want to get back to so uh, if I can put that you know kind of on them and change that control over to them and let them you know feel confident that hey I can I can put in the work and I'm going to be strong and be able to get back to the the activities I want to do you know I'm not going to really you know put that in their mind you know with that fear of oh man it's 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 moving around it's out of place you know all of that yeah for sure and the other thing about the just the psychology behind that is sometimes it's it's easier for whatever reason for people to wrap their minds around something could be out of place and you can put it back in almost like a like a car mechanic situation there so um it it, it takes patience and you're not always going to be able to sell them on it or convince them in the first visit so definitely be patient on that yeah, and that's that's another interesting fact too. If they come into you and they've been either to another practitioner or they've you know used Doctor Google um, and they are convinced that the SI joint's going on there. A lot of it's you know how you know what kind of conversation do you have um, you know with them? Uh, again, a lot of times that that helps me move back into function. It's like oh you know well you know because uh, you know you're having a difficulty with this well you know, great news. I think we can really prove that because we're going to get you really strong through X, Y, and Z. And then before you know it, we're going to be making a lot of progress in that area. And, you know, that's, it, it, I love focusing on the function side of it more than the structure um, because so many other practitioners focus on the structure. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, for, for any students out there listening to this episode, I, I hope that this is kind of refreshing to you because I know some of you, like I was in PT school, whenever you have to do that practical on the SI joint, you're just kind of sort of faking it. When you do that stork test, it's like, okay, uh, it's, uh, it's upslipped, right? And you just got it. You just got to sell it to the professor at that point. But I hope it's refreshing now that all you got to do is learn these special tests, how to implement them and where the pain location needs to be in order to, you know, pretty much rule out, I would say rule out versus rule in the SI joint because you're not going to see it very often. 
Yep. Well, uh, uh, you know, I encourage you to go read that article uh, and to, you know, dive into this yourself. Um, I think it's always good to kind of, you know, see what's coming out and what's, uh, you know, you know, what the leaders in that field are talking about. And Laslett is, you know, a leader in that field or the, he's the guy, you know? So um, if he comes out and says, Hey, it's not in that many people and this is how you figure it out. You know, it's probably a pretty good method to, to go by. So um, I think you know, following that process is great, especially for a new clinician coming through. And there's so many things running through your head when somebody comes in with back or back related leg pain, it's kind of having a nice little approach and, and, you know, running through your, your, yeah, um, your system and trying to figure out, okay, is there, you know, it, I'm ruling out all these other things before I get to that SI joint. So, you know, hopefully that helps some people out there. Um, but you know, yeah, again, I, I'm, I'm one of those, uh, in the camp of, I think we give the SI joint maybe a little too much credit, but I, I think, um, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, it's not a rocket surgery. The, the Lazlo stuff was super helpful for me. It's yeah. Extreme. Yeah, man. Well, thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back next Monday. And one last thing, if you liked the episode, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review. That way we can reach more people. And if you have any questions, a topic that you want us to cover, or maybe a person that you think we should interview, hit us up on Instagram at betterfasterpodcast. You can also keep up with updates on our physical therapy and strength and conditioning businesses by giving us follows at VertexPT and at VertexStrength. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Monday. This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor of physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at VertexPT.com or on the gram at VertexPT.